are you feeling about what <sighs> was a pretty thorough defeat to Barcelona? Yeah, it was really, really unfortunate. It followed the pattern of so many big games, um, particularly against them, funnily enough. You know, um, I, I was rather proud of United's efforts in the in the first leg. I know you were quite scathing and said, oh, decent performance, no shots. Does does that equal no shots on target? Does that equal a decent performance? But I thought I thought actually their, their endeavour was really good. I thought that it really looked promising. And we almost forced Barcelona to park the bus against us in the second half, which was kind of unexpected. But we gave away an incredibly easy goal in that game, meaning they could safely just park the bus, as it were. And then in the second game... We did the thing we always do. We did it in 2009. We did it in 2011. Started incredibly brightly, incredibly impressive. Rashford hit the bar. We looked really like we were really going for it. And then we hit what we'd hit in the home leg also, which is the living embodiment of O-ring theory that is Ashley Young. (laughs) Yeah, we'll come on to Young because there's uh, some multifaceted things we have to talk about there, I think. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think your assessment of the first game was more generous than mine. United pressed forward, but I think the assessment is based on expectations. So it was pretty ineffective, I thought. You know, pushing forward, had more of the ball. Um, Barcelona were happy to sat, sit back a bit more, which, by the way, they do under Valverde quite a lot sure. more than they have done under to under previous um, managers over the last sort of 10, 15 years or so. And uh, United didn't really make much of their pressure. So I'm like, well, does that really count for much? I mean, uh, if the keeper's not made a save, were United really that effective? And, and I, I think we, uh, like, I, I talked about expectations, but it's also about types of positions. So if, uh, and, and the few chances United did create... Um, were wasted. If uh, we made those mistakes at the back, we'd have lost 5-0. You know? yeah, so you kind of yeah, forget how yeah. poor we were up front as a result. So anyway, that's my assessment of the first game, really. You know, I, it, it felt just, good because we pushed them back after a really difficult start, but it wasn't that good. But I, I, think, I just think genuinely, uh, genuinely, a... Such a massive part of problem of the problem with United's overall performance in that game was just Ashley Young. Like, it's, normally it's a team sport, right? So singling out one player for being the pivotal reason that the whole thing fell apart, even if someone makes a disastrous mis- mistake that leads to a goal, say, it's still you've still got 90 minutes of collective endeavour to make up for that or whatever. But he gave the ball away 42 times in that game. 42 times and uh, Pogba in particular I thought was absolutely excellent in that game and the thing that he kept doing excellently was finding Ashley Young in space on the right hand side <laughs> in, our, in our in our attacks and it happened over and over and over again and Young blew it every time and it really was rarely has there ever been such a condensed example of one player causing so much to go wrong in that in Well, that that's right. And Barcelona are very smart to target him, and especially since United in, in the first leg doubled up on Messi. So uh, sure in this kind of slightly weird left side of a three-man yeah. defence, at least that's how they started the game, uh, and Dallo at wing, left wing back, uh, just trying to cut Messi out of the game. And, and actually, quite effectively, 
Um, but Barcelona were able to, as you say, attack down their left, United's right, and, and it was a real point of weakness. Mm. It was even more a point of weakness in the second game, of course, where Young was marking Messi on his own uh, and completely came <laughs> unstuck. I have to say, I, I found it really hard uh, ahead of the second leg to justify where, why Ashley Young would have been in the team or in the squad or anywhere near the city of Barcelona at all. And, mm. you know, he's been, a, he's been a good servant for the club and, and in many ways it's, um, it's not his fault. It's a, it's a condemnation of just how bad the failure at this club has been that a former winger is now a converted fullback, you know, trying to defend against the best player in the world. That's nuts. It's just nuts. But there was no justification for playing him. Like, long-term or short-term, I just couldn't work it out. Um, I mean, other than the other option was Rojo, and we can talk about how bad he is as well. He's come <laughs> back against West Ham pretty awful. So, you know, and, and it, it, he was a real problem in both legs, Ashley, Ashley Young. Not the only problem, of course, but it, it just allowed Barcelona to, to target him. Um, he panics when uh, they press and he kept giving the ball away. I actually did. I saw that uh, stat floating around on Twitter and I tried to add up the um, loss of possession, the interceptions, the failed take-ons and stuff like that. And I couldn't quite come up to that number. Um, right. But of course, it you came... know, different stats people have different numbers. It was a lot anyway. Yeah, that stat came from your boy, Statman Dave, who he, he uh, he's not a friend of the show yet, but it's only a matter of time we'll, we'll have Dave on and have a chat with him. Yeah, well, he's um, a trusted but... source, so that's, that's fine by me. Yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not going to put that out without is maybe it'd be one or two off by mistake or whatever, but it's not going to be, or it's not like a, somebody who's just making a wild random shout to try and get retweets. No, it? and, and it's <laughs> a perfectly, is a perfectly fair assessment anyway, you know, it's an yeah. extraordinary number, but it's yeah. an assessment of just, uh, just how bad young is. I mean, I, I just, I just can't justify it now. I mean, Dallow's such a promising player and uh, it was a surprise to me that he didn't start in, in Camp Nou. Came on mm-hmm. later in the game, didn't he? Uh, in a some more forward position, but at this point, it's not going to be any weaker. Anyway, that's that's Ashley Young. No. Like I agree with you on the assessment of Paul Pogba. He took a lot of criticism afterwards. I, I just don't understand it. Sometimes I thought he was United's sort of along along. Uh, you know, he United's midfield in that first leg was actually fairly effective, wasn't it? Fred had a yeah, decent game. You know, beginning to look like great. the player. That, um, that uh, we hoped he would be uh, sort of engine room, uh, I think, uh, and a Mark II, um, uh, McTominay, just all composure. And, and the thing that really marks McTominay out with his recent performances is uh, he's his brave passing forward. And he was, he was brave passing forward at Camp Nou as well, by the way. Yeah. Um, I think he's matured a lot. And that's the, that's the big difference between McTominay as a, okay, he's an okay player, because um, he's technically good, isn't he? He's very composed uh, under pressure. Um, to McTominay potentially actually having a real future at this club, mm. being Carrick Mark II, um, yeah. and then and then Pogba of the the third of that trio in the first leg. Uh, I thought he was the one trying to push United forward all of the time. You know, he was he he's the one always most likely to find spaces for United to attack into and press the opposition back, um, and he gets a lot of abuse all of the time and and you know if he scored a 25 yarder worldie every now and again i guess it would change i mean it just shows you how sort of narrow people's thinking is on these things but uh for the for the player 
He is. I thought he was very good. Um, I saw one. I read one assessment after the game. Oh, it was Jonathan Wilson, uh, which I have to say, um, I, I like Wilson's writing, but he definitely phoned this one in. His he made two arguments in his piece. It was headlined: um, Solskjaer has to be more than just not Mourinho. Okay, um, uh, which is basically has to do something other than just like get a happy bump from uh, the players. Uh, um, getting rid of the manager they didn't like. Okay, get that one. Like, it's not like you know, fifty thousand people on Twitter haven't made that point already. The second point he made was Pogba is neither a, a number ten or a number eight. He's somewhere in between. Therefore, he doesn't fit the modern game, which I just thought was honestly nonsense. He's 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 so good that if he was made available tomorrow, uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and anyone else who could afford him, which is not too many, would snap him up. Yeah, and also like he just won the World Cup as a number six. Um, as well, that's the, another key salient point. Although I guess you could say that Olivier Giroud just won the World Cup as a number nine, so it's not a universally convincing argument. But anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so first game, um, you know, started badly. United came back into it, and second game started well, didn't it? Really well, really well. I mean, early chance for Rashford, United. I think Ollie said before the game that we can't rely on fate uh, because, of course, everyone asked him about uh, Barcelona, yeah. New Camp 99, all of that kind of stuff. And he, he said, we have to go, we have to win this ourselves, we have to be brave. And, and United definitely were for, what, eight minutes? Ten well, minutes? Until, what, when did the goal go in? Oh, somewhere around. I can't remember. Ten, I mean, we'd no, lost... Nine, was it nine or twelve? Something like I'm that. I'm just anyway, going to keep shouting out numbers until I'm right. <laughs> Um, I it was just such a, you know, when Young made the sort of double error, I mean, a lot of things have to happen after that, but really that was the moment that enabled the goal. Messi cuts inside and, and as soon as Messi's cutting inside, the, the error of inevitability is completely overwhelming. And just for a minute, I was like, okay, this is bad, but it's not the disaster nightmare scenario. And then, of course... Messi scuffs a shot and Dave chucks one into his own net for yet another major goalkeeping error from David De Gea. Uh, we talked a lot about this on the podcast last time we did one. I was going to say last week, but let's face it, it was longer ago than that. Um, but this was an extraordinary error and extraordinary time. I mean, it wasn't quite Lorius Carius, Loris Carius passing the ball to Benzema in the Champions League final, but it wasn't a million miles away from that. No, level of it, was error. A, it was a horrendous error and. And something about his focus has definitely gone. I mean, I'm just going to assume it's contract negotiations. He He's just not... Like, you just don't expect it. Don't expect it from Dave in such a big game. And I, I know he's made a few mistakes this season. Even so, um, this was... Uh, this got to have been the biggest one of the season, the worst of the season. Um, he's got a lot of banker credit, so... Um, I have to say, I, I find complete nonsense the the people all over Twitter who are all suddenly save, sell him, get rid of him now. You know, who, who, are, you gonna same, who are you going to bring the, in? It's the same people. It's exactly the same people that were saying get rid of Pogba immediately before he went on a run of you know becoming our top goal scorer and top assist maker of the season in in the subsequent three months that you know followed. Yeah, and they're all saying sell Pogba again as well. By the way, yeah, well, they are. Yeah, I mean, but but before Dave chucked it in, you you referenced Young three mistakes. Count them up, right? right. So, um, <laughs> I mean, it's utterly bizarre. Uh, this thirty four year old ex-winger turned 
fullback trying to do a Cruyff turn in the Camp Nou in the quarterfinal of the Champions League. What? What? <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it does not compute. But three mistakes in the, the lead-up to that goal. And Fred is just too easily beaten. He's got to do better than that. Although we have talked before about him not being a good defender. Lots of energy, but don't put him in defensive positions. So. I mean... You said you said about Fred in the first game, maybe looking like the midfielder we thought he'd be. In the second game, very much looking like the midfielder everyone now thinks he is. Like, dreadful again, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, none of the midfield could really get a hold um, of any kind of possession. Um, for, for a while, United had more possession in that second game than they did in the first game. Yeah, so it was creeping up to near 40% at one stage. Ooh. Uh, but uh, I couldn't really do anything effective with that in midfield at all. The, the front um, the front players, front two, uh, just looked, well, front three, I guess, with Lingard as a, a false nine, very false nine in this one. Um, just not able to, to put Barcelona, Barcelona under any pressure at all, really. It was it was really reminiscent of 2009, I think, in in the sense. I mean, it was reminiscent in, of 2011 in terms of the golfing class between the two teams. I thought, um, but it was really reminiscent in the, of 2009 in, in the way that um, their goal took all the air out of United. And I have to say, I don't I don't condemn this particular United side for that because I think to suddenly find yourselves three 0 down in the new Camp. Um, I'm not entirely surprised their heads collectively went. Now, of course, we would much rather they get to the point where they've got a, they've got the kind of mental stability to kind of push on beyond that. But they knew they needed the break of the they needed the bounce of the ball before that game started. And so once you're two 0 down, I mean, it's hard not to see that game as over at that point. To, the idea that they were going to score three for no reply against Barcelona, it was. It would have seemed, I guess, kind of fanciful. Yeah, and against the Barcelona side, which is a good one, and and will win La Liga, but I'd be surprised if it goes down as one of the greatest ever. I could I could be completely wrong about that because I suppose if they win the Champions League and La Liga double, they will be right up there. Um, but there are weaknesses in this uh, Barcelona side. There are weaknesses in this Barcelona side when they play away. Not so many at Camp Nou. Yeah, um, but you're, you're right at two 0 I think everyone knew this was over, and and that point it was about trying to make sure they had some dignity. So um, let's play the uh, Man United fans who didn't go to the game bingo. At what minute did you switch over to Juve Ajax? Oh no, I had it on all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. Uh, I did flick it up on a second screen. Yeah. Uh, did you Did you make the switch so that Juve Ajax was on the big screen on no. the main screen? No, no, you no. you're a better red than me. I I just turned the channel because I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, it it was it was just it was just like watching people that you like have bad things happen to them, you know. Um, and I figure anything big happens, I'll I'll switch it back. But I, I just couldn't I couldn't face watching the tepid last twenty minutes. That what what basically happened was I looked at the clock and I realised there was more than half an hour left to go of the game, and I just thought I can't I can't take another half an hour of this. There's it doesn't seem like a good use of time to watch this. No, uh, and actually in that last half an hour, United made a pretty good decent fist of it. Didn't did they? Oh, yeah, well, I done mean, to the lads. I mean, they, well done to the lads. They they uh, they defended well. Um, Barcelona obviously took the foot off the gas somewhat. Yeah. Uh, made a couple of changes. Uh, Sanchez and Lukaku came on up front. Sanchez actually did some running. 
<laughs> which was yeah obviously obviously um, he always does some the, running the, ca- the cameras are on he's, he's got to get himself a contract somewhere hasn't he um no literally no, no. no. <laughs> no exactly Sadly. that's exactly the opposite of the situation <laughs> Um, he he had a header, uh, which um, Ter Stegen saved very well, uh, diving header. Um, could we could have got a, a little bit back from that, but uh, yeah, look, um, Dalo Sanchez Lukaku came on um, uh, for the three very ineffective forwards, um, and I guess giving them all a rest. And and United did all right for the last half an hour, but no, you know. I mean, I'm really clutching at desperate straws there to try yeah. and pull anything good out of this. But, I mean, so, look, those are the games. But I think the conversation after the game has been much less about um, United's failing during the match. I mean, I don't think getting beaten by Barcelona, uh, one, is something we've seen before. Um, yeah. It's happened to lots of teams. And given the golfing class in players, we're not surprised about. Uh, and so, fine. A lot of the conversation, of course, has been about where the club goes from here, and whether we can ever get to challenging Barcelona legitimately. Because, of course, we played them in two Champions League finals in in two years, three years. Um, whether whether we can get there again. Unfortunately, uh, Oli said after the game that we should aspire to their level. Bad choice of words. <laughs> Very bad choice funny- of words. The funny thing is, in 2011, you and I were talking about what United have to do to close the gap, to, the massive gap to Barcelona, because we played them in a Champions League final, but only by virtue of the draw being really weird that season, because um, they had to beat Real Madrid in the semi-final, and we had to beat a very average Schalke. Yep. <laughs> so, like that, that one almost doesn't count. Like the last time we were legitimately campaigning at their level was when we had Ronaldo in the team. Yeah, ten and years ago. Yeah, and we've got further and further and further away from them ever since, basically. And the only reason we're not even further away from them is that they hit an incredible peak. Well, they've hit like two incredible peaks, haven't they, since then, um, 2011 and 2015. And we've not got anywhere close. And, and you know, you and I were having a, a heated discussion before the podcast started recording. Um, and I, I think... You know, it, it almost seems like the, the. Obviously, I'm not on Twitter anymore. So thank, thankfully, so I'm not seeing the worst of this. But even just conversations I have with people I, I know, there almost seems to be this assumption that if you wanted Ole to be the manager, you somehow thought the, the reason that you wanted Ole to be the manager was because you thought we'd just win every game now. You know, like you thought that run that we were on would just keep on going forever under Oli, but that was never the case. To me, it was, it was. I kind of always wanted him to be the manager, and the start that he made, and the kind of consistency and the variety, and basically just everything about him, means that to me he's the kind of he he has the kind of combination of understanding relation, like institutional knowledge, relationship to the club, relationship to the fans, uh, man management skills that if he gets things right, he could be someone that over a good long period of time is able to build a sustainable growth towards something approaching what we should be again. Because I I think, I don't think there's a quick fix back to the top for United. 
I mean, no, obviously there isn't. No, no, well, I, I agree with that last point. I don't think there's a quick fix back to the top. So a um, couple of things. So some short-term observations before I think about the, the structural stuff. One, I think most of United's downturn over the last uh, seven games, so five defeats in seven games now, but you look a bit further back than that and some poor performances um, beyond b- before that. I think a lot of that has been down to the injury crisis, and the post-injury crisis reintegration of players who were unfit for a while. And I think that completely disrupted Ollie's plan, which was um, uh, high-energy, high-tempo pressing uh, and quick transitions. Right, And this was his entire plan, um, and that has gone out the window with the injuries. He's completely disrupted it. And I think those people who don't recognise that aren't being very honest um, or are being very blind about that. So um, I feel very sorry for him. That that happened uh, because this squad is still a squad that isn't better than between fifth and sixth in the the Premier League. Um, and uh, what, has, what do you has, mean? The, you think that the squad isn't the fourth best squad in the Premier League? Uh, don't know. Not mm. not sure. I mean, it's, who's, it's who's super... definitely got a better squad? No, I don't think. Well, I said I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, so right, you fair know, enough. Yeah, uh, like... don't get all Paxman on me. Okay. <laughs> so um, uh, I would definitely be a decent politician. I can worm my way out of questions like that. And Sorge. Uh, yeah. So um, anyway, look. I, the, my point being is that this isn't it isn't a great squad in you know right, right now against peers. Uh, or um, uh, historically over the last sort of 20 years of United squads. It's not one of the better ones. Uh, and so um, once some of the better players uh, were injured or, in fact, you know, key squad players were out and it disrupted uh, the way that Oli wanted to play, I think that has really impacted United. Um, I think the fitness levels clearly, uh, given given the, the, just a desperate lack of energy we've seen in some games uh, the fitness levels aren't very high um, and I'm not sure that can be fixed with a week away in Dubai um, no. so you know we need a proper pre-season so all those caveats um, uh, about what's happened to United uh, and I have a lot of sympathy for Ollie. that said I have to say the I think some of the Ollie's decisions in recent games switching around formations and players constantly playing players in weird positions like Shaw in the back three, Young in the back three. Um, uh, young, I'm not in, uh, young, young twice the in the back pitch. three. No, young, young anywhere young near the playing. pitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I don't think it's helped, and I think he's got trapped in the same thing that happened to. Uh, Mourinho and Van Gaal before him, which is um, trying to fix some of the weaknesses by tinkering around. And all, a lot of managers do that. Um, and I would hope he would be able to step back from that and, and uh, you know, do some critical analysis and wonder whether going back to first principles uh, isn't what he needs. Um, and we he might get a little bit more out of this team. That said, I, you know, I do think a lot of them are knackered and uh, it's going to be a very hard to, to turn this ship around. Um, so I have some sympathy. Then the longer one, the longer term one, I don't know. I look, I don't know whether we can see anything in his first what fifteen or twenty games or whatever it was before it it sort of um, went bad. Um, that uh, tells us that he would be able to create a great team that competed for the Premier League and European titles. I've no idea, and I, he sure as hell can't do it with the right kind of recruitment. And there's zero evidence of that 
has happened since you know, Gill and Ferguson left. So um, mm. I, I think it's a very long shot well, that he does I, I think... that for a number of reasons. One, we don't know he can do it. He's never been tested in squad building um, at actually... this kind of level. And and we don't know that Woodward's going to be able to pull off those kind of transfers. I actually think there's a really important, like small but important um revisionist history point that needs to be made about something that you just said, which I, I, you, we hear all the time, and it's used as a shorthand, recruitment since Gill and Ferguson left. But truthfully, it's recruitment since 2008, which was the last summer when United truly recruited well. Right. And even, even actually, actually, it's not that, it's 2007. It's the acquisition that summer we bought at Carrick, because really, Anderson, Nanny... Um, and uh, Hargreaves, well, those are mixed successes at best, aren't they? Every summer since then, Ferguson brought in players, with the exception of Robin Van Persie, who either weren't good enough... No, you're right. Yeah, and you're right. Yeah, it is a revisionist argument, yeah. Um, It's, you know, Ferguson patched over the weaknesses in the squad with his absolute brilliance. And uh, and the the Glazers were thankful for that, or probably blind to it. And probably yeah. believe that yeah. um, you can uh, you can always have success, and and now realizing that that's not true. But I do wonder whether because we haven't seen and we've seen a lot of spending from United since Ferguson left, and definitely the uh, United decided that you know they could find value in the market or whatever the the change <laughs> they caring about that. was, or they stopped caring <laughs> about that, um, and uh, and have started spending money, but. This is at a time when the whole football commercial uh, broadcast rights and commercial market um, rose very quickly and, and all the top clubs have been able to spend a lot of money, mm. except for perhaps Real Madrid, who haven't, weirdly, because they sell very well. So, you know, it's in context of the whole market. And, you know, it's, um, it is going to be a massive test for Solskjaer. You know, the thing that we were really disagreeing about before the podcast, I, I mean, I, I was just being a bit, silly really I wasn't really making my argument properly but I I do believe that at some point United are gonna have to find a horse and flipping stick with it for a few years because the the chopping and changing of managers as we all saw with our rivals over the years for you know decades and decades was a great um obstacle to building and and stability and success now maybe the stability now in modern football has to happen at a level that isn't anything to do with the head coach and is all about the structures of the team and all of that kind of thing but um one thing's for sure United need a plan and they need to execute a a plan over the long term because we're not we're not buying three players this summer and winning the league next season no but that's not even it's not even about that even anymore it's we're not um, buying free players and being in the running for major trophies next season. You know, yeah. we're, we're like, are we going to get fourth is going to be the big question again. Well, it, well it will be. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I do wonder whether you're right. Many, many European clubs change the manager and most of the squad every three years. That that kind of recycling is an accepted part of, um, of sort of elite European football. And, and United were the... Um, exception to that role because Ferguson was so good, good at squad management and such a brilliant manager that he was able to buck that trend. Um, but we're kidding ourselves if United somehow have some 
you know exceptionalism here that allows this club to buck the trend of of uh, every structure that is you know the structure that is held by almost every club in Europe right like we're not somehow better than everyone else that we can do that and Woodward certainly isn't the man to do that so um you're right that we we uh, I'm sure that uh, we need to modernise our structure, which allows you to swap in and out coaches and players within some kind of long-term vision. I mean, I, I talked a little bit earlier about Valverde's Barcelona being prepared to defend a bit more. And that's that's been controversial in Barcelona because the template is so, so well understood. You know, from Cruyff through to Guardiola, through to the coaches they've had since Guardiola, they know how Barcelona plays. And, of course, if it all goes a bit wrong, they've always got Messi, the cheat button. Um, and, and and it's the same at many other European clubs where they, of course, there are cycles uh, of you know, success and failure. Um, but within within that, that cycle, they try and build some kind of longer-term plan. Yeah, and, Are United guess... going to do it? Doesn't seem like it. I guess the thing that I'm talking about is five years, not 20, obviously. Like, I'm, I'm, I mean, you know, listen, Ferguson wouldn't have got 20 years if he hadn't started winning league titles, would he? You know, he, he, he was given a great deal of patience at first out of a combination of recognition of his talents and recognition of the absolute mess United was in as a kind of club you know, like across the board, every facet of United needed attention. Um, and so there was some recognition at board level that that was the case. Plus there was Ferguson's incredible track record in Scottish football because what he did at Aberdeen at the time that he did it, you know, it was evidence of what was to come, wasn't it? Um, so it, it was a unique set of circumstances, but of course he, he really needed a few years to rebuild United and someone now needs a few years to rebuild United. You know, we need to be seeing enough from the manager. We need to be seeing, I don't know, for me, I need to be seeing the right, genuinely, like the right kind of attitude is extremely important. Like generally the right, um, the right messaging is really important to see that. Not, It's not trivial. It's not unimportant. It's like almost the most important thing. We need to be seeing the right kind of football in the sense of genuinely, like let's play robust uh, attack-minded football that can be counter-attacking football sure but you know when we counter-attack it should be like swift and with purpose do you know what I'm saying I know these are all I guess you could say they're cliches but I don't think they are they're they're the things that I need to be seeing from a manager to 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 think yep we're gonna sure. we're gonna stick with this guy for a number of years not just go like okay well we'll give him a season and see how that works out because at some point we definitely have to stop doing that unless we get but, but, incredibly but that's lucky. also look not true so Moyes got less than a season but I think it was pretty clear early on that he was a bust right it was a horrible appointment a terrible mistake he was completely out of his depth and the players knew it I'm not sure that that's the case with Van Gaal and Mourinho I mean Van Gaal had how many seasons two two three two 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 seasons right and and we could have made the argument after winning the FA Cup that um he should have kept his job. Now, the football was so awful and prosaic and probably wouldn't have changed if he had 11 Messies in the side that I think there was a good justification for getting rid. Um, Woodward did it on the basis of not making the top four. 
and I think Mourinho, and Mourinho being available. I mean, he he burnt every bloody bridge last summer onwards. I mean, it was completely untenable for him to to stay. So I think mm-hmm. if there are this, you know, the signs of recovery, um, and the right messages are coming forward, and the players uh, still believe. Um, a coach will get some time, but there's no there's no automatic five years for Oli here. No way, and and he's going to be in a very difficult position, I think, if the club don't back him in the right way. And it's clear from the way he was talking um, in the January transfer window and talking about the summer that he really doesn't have an awful lot of control over that. He has some views over it, but who United sign and the types of contracts they put these players on that is all Woodward. Now and um, and Woodward has consolidated his position, and I bet that's part of the reason why he was happy to appoint Ollie. Not that Ollie is just some kind of yes man, um, but that he was so happy to have the job, uh, and he's much much less likely to buck, um, you know, rock the ship, uh, and challenge Woodward's uh, hegemony, which is total at this point. Well, I, I hope that turns out not to be the case. I do hope that turns out not to be the case, but we'll, we'll see on that front. Um, the, there's another thing that I wanted to say about the kind of overall downturn in form, and and this ties directly into the conversation that we're having now about the future of the club and contracts and who's in charge. And this is Ander Herrera, which I don't think we've recorded since. I'd, is it is it fully 100% official? Like, I guess it's, it's everything but fully 100% official. Yeah. Percent official. There's no press release and uh, you know unveiling yeah. ceremony. But he's going to PSG this summer instead of re-signing for United. And I think the fact that he, because if you look at our our performances when they were good under Solskjaer, Herrera was incredibly, incredibly key to disrupting opposition attacks, to start counter-attacks, to the pressing game, to um, his kind of uh, getting further up the pitch to support Pogba. So there were more options. There were just numbers going forward the whole time. And he was absolutely integral. And the combination of him getting injured and then now like leaving and whatever that means, whether he's actually injured or not, because he hasn't played since all the PSG stuff came out, whether he really is injured or if it's just, you know, he's he's got the PSG flu. Um, I, I think that's an absolutely massive individual factor in the downturn. And he's almost he's almost the player I would most have wanted to be available um, against Barcelona, apart from maybe sure. Luke Shaw. Yeah. Um, look, he had been very good and and uh, Oli for sure. And my my reaction to Herrera going is is disappointment because uh, he he could be an important player. Um, and then realism uh, on two fronts. One is that there are many many better midfielders than Herrera out there Oof. for sure. Whether United uh, are willing to spend the money to recruit them is a completely different question. Um, and then, then the second point of realism, they offered him a four-year contract. He's he's nearly 30, a uh, four-year contract at £300,000 a week, it seems. Um, he'd be mad not to take that. United yeah, were, yeah. were apparently willing to treble his wages, but on a shorter yeah. contract. So, um, and, and we also know the problem um, of having old players on long contracts. I mean, there's some irony in if, 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 if this is really true, that the club have refused to do that. Um, there's some irony, of course, because they uh, bought Nemanja Matic and and uh, even worse, much worse, Alexis Sanchez. Older players on very long contracts, very big contracts. All right, so this is a this is a thought experiment. Um, who ha, 
in the Premier League, who is a better midfielder than under Herrera? Quite I'm few. not saying there aren't any. I, I'm I'm saying like list 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 for me if you would be so kind the midfielders who are better than under Herrera. Uh, Paul Pogba. Yeah, agreed. Can, can I have that one? Yeah. Um, uh, De Bruyne, Silva. Yeah. yeah. Gundogan is probably on the same sort of level, I'd say. Okay. Uh, Fernandino definitely definitely a better midfielder. I'm I mean, older now. Yeah, he's. I'll I'll give you that, but. This season, but not next, yeah. probably. Um, over at Liverpool, well, there's a question mark because I'm not, I have to say, I'm not a big fan of Henderson, but yeah, you know, he, I'll give you over there, love him. <laughs> I'll give you Fabinho, Fabinho yeah, who's actually not necessarily been the best, best performer of that, that Liverpool midfield this season. Oh, he's been, he's been much better in the second half of the season, much better in the second half of the season, yeah. Um, Arsenal, well, Torreira definitely has the ability. <laughs> I don't know, he hasn't been, but <laughs> yeah, oh, I, good I, argument. That's the uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's the that's the uh, the oral equivalent of uh, have a think about that, is that yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, Sergio Aguero just scored a really annoyingly good goal on there, winning now. Um, yeah, the. the uh, mm, no, I'm not. I'm not having Torreira. Anyone else? I'm definitely not having anyone else. Else, maybe Aaron Ramsey. Maybe. Yeah, he's a better player. And uh, that's it. There's no one at Chelsea that's a better midfielder than under Herrera. Oh yeah, and Golo Kante is. Kante. Yeah, he's a better midfielder than anyone. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's like a little handful, and there's definitely none none at any other team. I mean, maybe Decore, maybe all the Wolves lads. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's getting it's getting a little sticky now. This conversation, but still, what have the Romans ever done for us? Apart yeah. from the drains and the roads, and... I, don't, I, I don't think there's that many midfielders who are better than under Herrera. Not that many, like... but there are. Yeah, um, all right. And 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 it, look, an evidence of this is is Herrera being in and out of the team under three managers. So oh, crikey, though. Uh, but most of them, most of them, there's only two managers that he was in and out of the team under, and they were both insane. <laughs> <laughs> and li- almost literally every good performance that either of those managers got out of the team had under Herrera in it. Yeah, yeah. Look, and and look, I'm not being revisionist. I think he's a good player. Yeah. I don't think he's a great one. Is okay. he the player to take United? Would we like Herrera in a United squad that was challenging for the title? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. yeah. Would he necessarily be in the team every week? I don't know because I I, I, I'm would. sure I... there are players out there that are better than him. And I, uh, but yeah, I just but... don't. I, the thing is, like the second part of that argument, because I hear that argument a lot or read it, um, is is the assumption that United can get uh, a player that is better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure and about that. No, no, I, I, yeah, that is that is the big question, isn't it? Lawrence um, beaten his near post. Now there's a goalkeeper that done fell far. He made an amazing save from De Bruyne, and and also I don't think it count being beaten at your near post. I don't think it counts against Aguero because Aguero Aguero beats more good keepers at their near post than any striker I've ever seen in my life. Like because he, he takes he does, his shots, he, does hit, he shoots early and hits a clean ball. Yeah. Um, anyway, but I mean, look, what what the defeat left me feeling was pretty deflated, actually, and d- deflated not just because you know the the gap is huge um, to the top of European football, and and Barcelona, if uh, I mean they play Liverpool next, don't they? Um, that that will be a close one, but I imagine at this point they're they're favourites for that, and if if they win that, they're favourites for the 
for the tournament. Uh, so um, they are one of the top three best sides in Europe, shall we say? Um, and and United got a good schooling there. Um, so it's not that uh, I'm depressed that. Uh, we couldn't beat Barcelona. I'm kind of depressed about how far the gap is to get back into the top echelons of Europe. And I don't think United making in the quarterfinals of the Champions League uh, like counts. Right? I don't think we're going to say, oh, yeah, that means we're in the top eight clubs in Europe. Um, well, we're, not, we're not in the top four clubs in the Premier League at the moment. Yeah, that's, Definitely not in that's, the top three. That's what I was just going to say. The, the thing about all of this is top echelons of European competition, my goodness, we have not realistically competed for the title since Alex Ferguson retired in England. We are Liverpool. Yeah, this is, it's yeah. happened. It's not like... One not top like... three finish and four... Fa- well, I'm going to... I'm Three failures to qualify for the Champions League, but it, it is looking very likely it's going to be four. I think United probably have to win five games now uh, in order to definitely qualify for the Champions League. Uh, and two of those five are against Chelsea... And Manchester City, and and one of those is a difficult opponent. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean Chelsea are fighting for for their spot too. So. No, I know they went on a little good run, but they yeah. did they were not good against Liverpool. They were not. They were not good. They were they were very passive. Uh, we had against... we had we had yet another row. Ed, what do we keep having rows? Are we are we falling out? We had another row this time over Eden Hazard, who you said has had two good seasons in the last six. Yeah, about that, maybe two and a half. But I sent you the list of his uh, his average two scored rating, but also all his goals and assists, and he's like. Apart from one season, basically, he's in 20 for goals and assists every season for the last six seasons. Yeah, not buying it. <laughs> Your Hazard opinion is weird. It's weird. No, no, I think he's a very good player. I, I think his opinion of how good he is and and the company he might um, be among um, and uh, and some some media and pundits' opinions of the company in which he might belong is very different from um, what I think he actually produces, which is a lot of hot and cold. You know, so I like if if I was to compare him against, you know, he's been in in England six years now, right? Yeah, um, six seven years. Um, six years, I think. Yeah, so the the output from him versus say David Silva. I think they're completely different, and um, and I mean, I bet Hazard's got silver beat for goals and assists, right? Well, he might do, but I don't think in terms of you know contribution to really top quality um, teams. So, what would, what I, I would Hazard? Think... What would Hazard's contribution have been if he was playing for Man City for the last six years? Well, we'll find out when he's playing for Real Madrid next season. Whether you know, and after Real have spent you know four hundred million euros in the market or whatever they're planning to do. Um, whether his contribution really would be that good in a, in a really top team. We'll see. You know, what's interesting is I, I, I think he's... I think my main kind of knock against Hazard almost would be would actually be not that he sees himself in this elite company or whatever, but actually slightly lacked ambition. I think it was a, a, a slightly ambition-lacking decision to choose Chelsea over United when he did, um, given that Ferguson was still at United at the time. Um, and we went and won the league the next season kind of thing. I mean, maybe he saw, maybe maybe Hazard got the nod and the wink that Van Persie and Kagor didn't get, um, that Fergie wasn't going to be there forever. But anyway, um, but then I think out of kind of loyalty, partly, but also perhaps a bit of lack of ambition, he shouldn't have been, he shouldn't still be at Chelsea. 
because Chelsea have been such a mess for most of the last six years. They've had, you know, they've had two good seasons basically since he's been there. Um, but I think he's been he's been doing pretty well in pretty difficult circumstances for a lot of it myself. Anyway. Anyway, let's move on. I don't want to be talking about Chelsea an awful lot. Um, uh, Are we done with that? Can we uh, congratulate the Manchester United ladies women's team for qualifying, qualifying, being promoted, beat Aston Villa? I'd missed uh, that this evening. So uh, they are definitely promoted to the Women's Super League next season. Brilliant. That's super exciting. It's going to be, um, I'm hoping to watch them a lot more then in that case. Uh, yeah, you will be able to much better covered. Um, and I guess they're going to have to do quite a bit of work, aren't they? In terms of it's going to be interesting. That's an interesting decision because obviously they've got. It's very clear that they've got like a real kind of good team spirit and everything there. And and Casey Stoney's built a real kind of collective. But it'd be interesting. And and they they've done very well in the cups against like top top division opponents. It's going to be interesting to see how well they can sustain it. Whether they whether they do. Because obviously they're they're a team that's been assembled out of parts bought from other clubs. It's going to be really interesting to see if they if they try and invest heavily and bring in some big names or whatever. If they stick with the core of the team that's got them up. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, obviously, um, very different market there, and but there aren't really transfer fees as such. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm sure the club uh, will have some ambition there. And um, recruit uh, new players. I mean, they've done, they've done okay. Yeah, they lost to Reading and beat um, Birmingham, and played well against Arsenal in that uh, quarterfinal. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, clearly way too good for that division. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fascinating to see how next season goes. Great. Shall we do some listener questions? I guess we really should, given that we haven't for such a long time. Yeah, we haven't. Um, Joey Mangini says, can we just sack Oli Gunnar Solskjaer as permanent manager and replace him with Oli Gunnar Solskjaer as caretaker manager? <laughs> I like that one. No. No, no, we can't. Um, I, I do kind of think, it's, it's kind of really weird take, which is, oh, we've lost, we have lost five games in seven, so obviously no one's feeling good about that. Um to our double nemesis of Wolverhampton Wanderers and Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but, but a lot, a lot of takes are basically along the lines of should have waited. And, uh, and in fact, some, from some serious people as well, um, which was what uh, one take from a very well-known, very well-respected Irish journalist at a major national newspaper. I mean, was... why don't you just say Miguel Delaney? <laughs> like, why are you afraid? No, Miguel's not, coming after us. Um, no, which, which was basically along the lines of it. This feels like it was an emotional decision um, to appoint him, and um, you know they, they may well have rushed into it, or perhaps worse than that, this was a reaction to what came before. And and there's I have some sympathy with that because I do think the the club has been reactive all along and and it's that is what Woodward is, right? He reacts to an agent dropping a shiny new player in front of him, yeah. and he reacts to events as they are happening. Um, he doesn't have a long term vision. The yeah. club doesn't have a long term vision. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that was a long answer to a question which was a very good yeah. joke. 
Stick Drawbridge says, why are United playing better in the games they're losing than the games they're winning? <laughs> yeah, but we didn't actually talk about the West Ham game because that was an absolute stinker. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that United played better in the Barcelona game because I'm not sure that's true. The first 10 um, minutes were really good against Barcelona. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, but, God, they were United were awful. I mean, two, 2.4 or something on the XG, 1.8 of that is the, the two penalties. Um, and another... Point four something of that was Phil Jones's header from about three yards out, which he missed. Yeah, um, yeah it was dread- just a dreadful performance. Zero, zero, zero energy in this whole team, um, and uh, which, which kind of prompted my, you know, well, they'd obviously been prompted before this, but you know, reinforced my view that I think this is a fitness problem. Uh, a lot of it is a fitness problem. Um, and uh, it was just, yeah, really, really bad. And, and West Ham were lucky, unlucky not to get something from that game. I think the penalties were fair call, by the way. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, we can't keep playing like And we definitely can't play like that in the next, what is it, five or six games left? Can't remember now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up while you, we're talking. You look it up. Um, I'm just going to look it up quietly. got new internet which is nice it's very nice my new internet very good sorry tom all right here we go so we play everton on sunday then we play city on wednesday at home chelsea on the following sunday at home huddersfield away then cardiff at home and then perth glory but that's not until july so So, five uh, actual premier league games left yeah and uh everton away is a complete who knows because they've been sublime and ridiculous in equal measure this season at Everton. I suspect that City will beat us, even if even if we do try to win that game, which it's a shame we have to. Um, Chelsea, I, I like our chances, and I think we'll beat Huddersfield and Cardiff. So really, it's a question of what the teams above us do and how we do against City. I mean, obviously, we also have to win the other yeah. games. I've just breezy yeah, yeah. said we're going to win, but you know... So, so you're saying four wins and a loss, twelve points? Would that do it? I'm not sure it will. Well, I mean, it, I mean, really and truly, that there's obviously that completely depends. So Chelsea are playing Burnley at home, then they play us, and of course, if they if we beat Chelsea, then then that's them effectively us leapfrogging them. So it then becomes about Arsenal, who've Especially got a weird... Chelsea have only got four games left. Uh, yeah, they've, they've played thirty-four Chelsea. So. Oh yeah, okay. So it's really it's about Arsenal, who play Palace at home, Wolves away, Leicester away, and then Brighton at home. Now Arsenal have been terrible on the road. I mean, I was very disappointed that uh, Watford didn't get anything out of that game. My goodness, Watford were pushing hard at the end of Monday night's game against Arsenal, and I was really like, I've spent a lot of this week's very actively supporting teams that aren't Man United because quite emotionally invested in Ajax too. And I really want Spurs to win this game that I'm watching now. And I really wanted Watford to um, Watford to uh, at least get a draw with Arsenal, but uh, that didn't happen. So we're, we're really relying on our nemesis Wolves, our nemesis Wolves. Yeah, and that might not be enough if United lose to City. So, yeah. It, it's, so Leicester. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right, Sean Corrigan says, and uh, I'm I'm doing this one because I know it'll annoy you. Quality player, quote unquote. Oh no! Or not. Players oh, who don't no. have the hunger to play for United oh. should be sold. Pogba, D- 
De Gea, agree or dis- disagree? De Gea! De Gea! De Gea doesn't have the hunger. De Gea, who has sacrificed his best years for you people. De Gea could have won a million league titles and instead has been languishing under Louis van Gaal and Jose Mourinho and David flipping Moyes. David De Gea is a hero to our people. <laughs> um, Sean, um, I-, I can disagree with you more. Uh, yeah, respectfully, of course, but I hate this kind of boneheaded thinking. Oh, and Spurs have scored. I'm not sure. Is it going to stand? There's some arm business. We've got uh, some. We've got some. I, th- I, th- I think I'm a little behind you on the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. stream I have in the corner of my, uh, my yeah. screen here. Carl Murphy says, "How much can United get for Young, Jones, Matter, Damian, and Rojo?" Um, <laughs> I mean, at this, like Matter's a Matter's a different case, I think, because Matter there may be some value in giving him two years uh, and keeping him within the squad. It doesn't look like that's happening, but we'll see. Um, young Jones, Jones, they've just given a new four-year contract to Young, Damian, and Rojo. Just get him off the books. It doesn't matter. Just yeah. doesn't matter. Well, they um, give they've, they've they, there's a bigger choice to be made about Sanchez. Yeah. Which is um, which he asks about that really big choice to be made there because I, there's no value from a transfer point of view. So could we would it allow the club to build by getting at least some of his wages off the book? Yeah, yeah, yes, please. So. Ryan says, how many of the current players do you think can develop into being able to play to a good standard of consistency over the course of an entire season or seasons? So who would you... Like, let's Can we just, like, with the previous conversation, how many of the current squad do we think, after this period of rebuilding that will be funded by Woodward and overseen by Ollie and the as-yet-unnamed director of football, how many of the current squad stay at United? And how many of the younger players that are coming through will be part of that squad? Well, my one one of my big hopes for Ole is that the um, the young players are a huge part of it. So one of my big hopes is that you know Gomez, Chong, um, Greenwood in particular, th- these guys become a, a really key part of the squad. But also we look a little deeper. So deeper. I mean, one of the things that if you'd asked me like before the PSG away game. Do I think Scott McTominay should be a big part of last next season? I probably would have said no. And now I'm thinking, well, if he keeps this up, then definitely. Um, I, so that's partly just me being reactive, isn't it? Obviously, because it's a bit silly to to react to changing circumstances that quickly. Um, but yeah. So what's the what's the question? I rambled a lot there. <laughs> I, I mean, how many how many players in the squad do we retain? I mean, part of the reason why I think this this view of like let's sell Pogba, let's sell De Gea is dumb because you just don't sell great uh, players. And uh, it was a goal for Spurs, perfectly fine, came off his hip. Um, you just don't sell great players and then suddenly think you're going to be able to you know grow from there. You, you do everything you can to retain them and build, get bring better players in so they become even better. Right, so um, of the players, so you, you do everything you can to keep uh, uh, De Gea and Pogba for sure. Of the, of the other players, um, uh, I would keep Shaw and Dello. We need competition in both those positions. Uh, Lindelof, I think, has grown into a, a very good centre half. Not not perfect, but a very good one. Yeah, definitely. But by, by I've kind of given up on. I think Oli has two. 
Um, he's got the raw materials, but it's just never come together. And Smalling and Jones will never be part of a United title winning side, uh, I don't think. Apart from uh, when they were. Apart course. from when they were. But um, uh, no point were they ever, 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 ever solidly in that team, were they? God. Um, in midfield, well, Herrera's going. Fred, well, there, there's a spark. There's a little spark there, isn't there? There's some seed of hope. Um, I don't know, really, but he's definitely the kind of player you'd like around the squad. If he can play like that, at least like the first game, like the game in Paris and the first game against Barcelona, if he can play like that every week, um, I'd keep him. Matic's got to go. He's just such a burden on United. And and Rashford and Martial, you, you definitely keep. Lukaku's a big question for me because I don't think United can play the kind of high-tempo ollie ball um, with him in the team. And he's a £75 million asset on huge wages. And does he really want to be a backup? Does he want to be the Fernando Lorente to uh, Marcus Rashford? I like the way we get hundreds of listeners' questions and you're just making up your own now as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't yeah. the question, right? The question wasn't how many of the first team squad do we keep. It was which of the young players could become no, consistent. How many of the current players do you think can develop into being able to play good standard consistently over the course of an entire season or seasons? Oh, okay. Fair enough, right. yeah. Yeah, anyway. My bad, my bad. Rambled my on, bad. rambled on. Ben Young Smalling, says, Smalling, we sold Smalling. Ajax's left back and captain to them and played Ashley Young, uh, uh, Daily Blint, <laughs> who's played 50 games this season, by the way, and was sublime again. I, I, yeah. I, I doff my hat to you, Daily. I've made fun yes! of your hair. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it, it was always his best position. Yeah, um, right, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do the whole question because it's only fair to Ben. Uh, we sold Ajax's left back and captain to them and played Ashley Young and made him our captain. My question is, dot, 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 gently sobbing. <laughs> I really like that. And, and in answer to your question, Phil Jones played 1,200 minutes and Smalling 1,000 minutes in the league that season, wow. making them the uh, 15th and 17th biggest minutes on the pitch. In All the right. league that season. All right, so squad players. Andrew yeah. Hardiman says, first signing this summer should be Edward van der, van der Sar to replace the woodchopper, dot, dot, dot. L- lovely. I'll take it. He, he was uh, uh, being interviewed yesterday after Ajax's win uh, against Juventus. Um, he has overseen their, their, at least part of their uh, development, hasn't he? You know, uh, in the sort of technical director role he has there now. Would be a good and popular appointment. I suspect he'd probably rather stay at Ajax, maybe. I mean, I guess he doesn't need money, does he? <laughs> no, and like Edwin van der Sar's probably like, all right for money. Um, and, uh, and Ajax are doing amazing things. I mean, I guess half their team will be sold out from them under, the, under them in the summer. So maybe he would want to come to a club where that wouldn't happen. Yeah, well, Frank de Jong's going and I, I, I'm going to guess that Matthias de Ligt um, <laughs> yes. will probably go to... Uh, and it looks like Barcelona are sniffing around him. I mean, what a great player he is. We um, we really need a left back, and theirs is really good. <laughs> D dot blind. <laughs> oh, we don't. We actually we don't need a left back, do we? To it. be honest, his dad could probably do better than Ashley Young. <laughs> um, by the way, I, I did say there's a bigger conversation about Ashley Young, and sorry, I'm going to go on on a different ramble. But um, lots of reports today of him being racially abused on Twitter. I mean, oh. which Pogba gets every. Um, uh, please, people. I mean, if if you cannot see beyond the colour of a player's skin and feel the need to de- dehumanise uh, a player um, when he has played badly, just get 
away from our club because we don't need you. And football has a huge problem with racism um, right throughout the um, right throughout the pyramids. I don't know whether you uh, read uh, Jacob Steinberg's excellent piece in the Guardian where he went off and interviewed a lot of people at all levels. Uh, football's got a huge problem amongst, and I don't want to see it amongst United fans, but sadly it is apparently there. It's getting worse and worse and worse as it gets worse in society again. It's becoming more and more acceptable in public spaces. It's a massive problem and it's going to be... And out, out in the open. Yeah, this is not just troll accounts with a, you know, fake fake handle. This is people who can be uh, readily identified. It, it's People just think it is acceptable and okay. They've been given permission. I emailed Ed Woodward this week. <laughs> This was a really stupid thing to do, but I was, I was frustrated. Um, I, what what a ridiculous thing to do! But I literally was like, right, I'm just going to email Ed Woodward because why not? Um, United ran. I was really pleased and proud. They ran a series of adverts, which I've not seen other clubs doing. Perhaps they have. Ran all red, all equal. A campaign against racism, sexism. And homophobia, and I thought it was beautiful, and I thought it was particularly i mean I thought it was particularly beautiful that it that how timely it was. I really appreciate the intersectionality of it um i I think that uh they can't run that campaign and keep employing Ron Atkinson on m u t v no, that's that sends, right and that I, I had that really debate with someone on, on Twitter this week because i mean um because uh uh, Tommy Smith died, Liverpool former Liverpool player, yeah. who had some really abhorrent views, and which were exposed in a, both an interview um, with uh, with a former colleague of his in the Guardian a few years back, and, and also a book by a, a former colleague of his, you know, like in in real graphic detail, and uh, and this wasn't mentioned at all by Liverpool, of course not, you know, or, or any of the players and pundits who came out and talked about him, and I don't think you can divorce context when giving a eulogy. Just don't think you can, um, and uh, so I pointed this out, and especially in a week when um, uh, when Mo Salah was racially abused by Chelsea fans, um, they made a very strong statement, Liverpool, and I think it was very selective. And the statement is was you know uh, great on its own, but not great in context of how the club has behaved. And so anyway, I had made a, some snarky comments and had a, ended up having a debate. Um, uh, and 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 there was a lot of what about is them? Oh, but you employ Ron Atkinson, and and it's it's not what about ism isn't ever a great argument, but it's right. He should not be no. anywhere near MUTV. But and and I almost feel like um, we can shut up about Tommy Smith because I mean I don't think anyone should shut up about Tommy Smith. I think it should be waved to the rooftops while all the eulogies are going on because it's despicable that that this stuff gets forgotten when somebody dies. Um, but we should be talking about Ron Atkinson. That's because, like, sorry, I'm, I want to just clarify. I'm not saying we shouldn't be talking about Tommy Smith, but I just mean what's really important is that we talk about the people that support our club that are racially abusing Ashley Young, and the pe- and and the fact that our club is equally being selective in putting out a kind of beautiful, moving. I would suspect probably very sincere on the part of everyone that took part in it campaign at the same time as employing Ron Atkinson. So, you know, they United can do one on this front until they sort that out, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we do talk about it on this podcast, so I, I feel uh, I feel okay about that. Um, 
we're going to have to end this soon. But uh, Scott, Scott, two one two eight two one three seven. I hope that's not your phone number, Scott. That wouldn't be very sensible. <laughs> oh. Card details. Yeah, all card details, yeah. Uh, send him a sext, will you, Paul, and let's find out. Uh, no, thank you. No? His rebuild will be quicker. Man United on Notre Dame Cathedral. <laughs> Come on. Um, Come on, man. People are super sad about that building. I, yeah, well, that actually pissed me off as well, I've got to say. Yeah, of course it I, did. Like, you know, billion euros um, pledged by rich families. Like, has anyone seen politics in France recently? You know, there are people suffering and hurting through inequality and poverty. Um, and when a building burns down, very famous and beautiful building, but a building, um, money is found, but not for my, those people. My French mum providing an insight into left-leaning French Facebook um, when uh, telling me that she'd seen somebody share a thing that said, was like a quote from Victor Hugo saying, well, thanks for doing all these nice things for my cathedral, but um, have you, uh, don't forget about Les Miserables. Well, quite. So, you know, which I thought was rather nice, worth making the same point. The I'm sorry to I'm sorry to do jokes about things that people find upsetting, um, but somebody shared a tweet with me which says, oh, it's really sad about Notre Dame from an Eiffel Tower fan. And that made me just <laughs> cry with laughter. Absolutely. That is that, a good one. That good trope one. about, oh, God, this is really sad. And I'm a United fan or, you know, yeah, something yeah. bad happens to Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what, does that supersede your humanity? You know, anyway. Okay, we're going to cut it off there. Sorry, there are many more questions. Um, oh, come on, let's do, let's do, come on, come on, Ed. Let's do a bit more. Let's do a little bit more. Because we haven't given the people no talk for such a long time. Okay. All right. The people have demanded it. Aidan Muck says, you can only upgrade the defence or the midfield this summer. What do you choose? Midfield. See, I was going to say defence because I, I think defence allows you freedom to, to much more freedom further forward in the pitch to play in the way that you want. I think that um, a back four, our first choice back four is not that bad. Uh, a, a first choice back four of, um, well, obviously De Gea, Shaw, Dallow, Lindelof and Smalling isn't that bad. You'd want to upgrade Smalling, but you know it's not like a complete disaster if that's if that's your first choice back four. And there's kind of decent cover, not at fullbacks. Obviously, that's a massive problem with cover. Um, but I think the midfield, given that it's basically Pogba and McTominay now, like will and Pogba might leave. <laughs> I just think I think that's that's the one I'd I'd want to do something yeah. about. Unfortunately, it has to be both. Uh, at least yeah. two fullbacks and one central defender. I, 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 fullbacks are just so important. So important. Yeah, and I, I, I would much rather get a fullback, one right back, two really good central midfielders. Yeah, the, the question on the right back is a really interesting one, isn't it? Because, I mean, imagine United did spend forty million or so on Aaron Wan-Bissaka. They'd be getting a, a very good player by the looks of it, but also with a similar age and experience profile to Dallow. Well, it's not. I don't. I think it's generous to Dallow to say it's a similar experience profile because Bazaka's played a ton of Premier League football, hasn't he? And and Dallow's played a small handful of games yeah, at a senior level. But it's not orders of magnitude more, is it? Um, How many no, Premier I guess League not. games has Wayne Bazaka played? I don't know. Did he? Was he in the team last season? No, he came in oh, this okay. season. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, yeah. Then it's not. You're absolutely right. But the thing is, I think that you're. I think Dallow, First of all, Dallow can can fill in on the other side for sure. I mean, obviously, it's a it's not ideal, but he can. But I also think Dallow will get a ton of games further up the pitch. 
And I have no problem with that at all. I, I like seeing Delow up the pitch. He he's got a lot to offer as an attacking player. So so I yeah. think he'd still. I, get I mean, I don't think you'd ever patch on an, a real attacking player, but um, he's got he's got he's yeah. got stuff to offer. Miles Bailey says, "Do we have a right back better than Raphael? Do we have a right winger better than Nani? Do we have a central midfielder better than Carrick? So, yeah, that's an odd one out there. Do we have a striker better than RVP?" Uh, well, not at their, you know, not at their peak. Well, How have no, we spent I, I, so I was, much money was, since the Halix retired and gone backwards? I, I thought this was like, I, I was first, I was like, this is a really good question. And it's like, oh, this is Yeah, it, it went a bit off piece a good with Carrick and RVP, yeah. Yeah, because um, they're both, obviously, but they, would, they wouldn't be, doesn't, you know, there's no, so, I mean, first of all, yes, we've got better central midfielder than Michael Carrick, because Pub was better than Michael Carrick. Um and as for striker, obviously we haven't got a better striker than RVP, but there's only like two in the world. Um, and RVP, we've definitely got a better striker than RVP now. Um, yes, but yeah, Ra- yeah, no, Raphael and Nani would still be getting in the first team. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, Nani is playing uh, at Orlando in uh, MLS at the moment. So I'm not oh, yeah, sure he would be. Of course. Did you see him and Rooney giving each other like, oh, I can't wait to see you, pal, yeah, on yeah. social media? It was nice. Um. Very good. Um, will the inevitable signing of Gareth Bale this summer be worse than Sanchez, says Henrik Abjornsson? Oh, my God. God, please I mean, no. I just they, hope they we just don't wouldn't. Do I mean, Real Madrid want to offload because they want to fund a you know, huge spending spree for um, for Zidane, uh, who was no huge fan of, of Bale anyway. Uh, surely. But this is a play who plays about half the games. Yeah, surely we're not going to fall for that. Surely, even Edward Wood, because Woodward is for all his faults, he's not actually dumb. And the worst, the nightmare scenario. Have you got evidence for that? The nightmare scenario is that if Woodward thinks that Pep wants Gareth Bale somehow, if Pep tricks tricks him into thinking that he wants Gareth Bale, then we might be in trouble. Well, sir. Sweet Juice says, should we ask Bill Gates to venture into purchasing, purchasing United? <laughs> well, I mean, I'd be a lot happier with Bill Gates in uh, the uh, the uh, kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Let's, let's yeah, just be honest absolutely. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, there's um, I did uh, I did uh, hear a story today from uh, someone with very good knowledge that uh, Britain's richest man had inquired about purchasing both uh, Chelsea and Manchester United and was scared off by the price that the Glazers were were asking. So, right. um, uh, so yeah, people are making inquiries, uh, but they are asking for five billion plus, which is quite a premium on the current market cap. I have no idea who Britain's richest man is. I'm going to guess it's not Richard Branson. <laughs> Jim Ratcliffe is Britain's richest man. All right, final question for you. This one's for you, Paul. James Sponsor says, uh, what was Paul's favourite WrestleMania? Oh, ever? Oh, crikey. Well, I think it's going to have to be either five, six or seven because they were the only ones I actually watched as a child. And it's definitely not seven because that was the Sergeant Slaughter one. Um, I think it was anyway. Yeah, it was the the Hogan Warrior main event was, as a, as a kid, I just was completely crazy about it. Um, but my fave, I think probably the best ever WrestleMania was uh, WrestleMania 30. Oh my God, it was offside and it's no goal. Oh my God. Oh my God. Va, va. I'm not celebrating because it's uh, it's really petty and it's really petty 
to celebrate <laughs> to celebrate a rival's defeat, but f- yes. <laughs> Uh, this takes off some of the uh, moral quandary off the table, of course, because City go out. We don't have to worry about the, you know, it, the, it being the City quadruple versus yeah. Liverpool. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Oh, that is one of the most intense VAR decisions of all time. That is two and a half minutes into injury time. Oh, oh I feel a bit sorry for Pep because I still like him. Wow, sorry, everyone. and it's offside. Sorry, everyone, because he's come off. Bernardo's shins. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. All right, let's wrap this podcast up. Oh, yeah, we're playing Everton at the weekend. I think we're going to win. Good preview, everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, um, to give an actual brief preview about Everton, Everton are having one of the weirdest seasons out of anyone in the league. They beat Arsenal the other day, but Arsenal were absolutely insipid in that game. Um, and But generally speaking, Everton have been wildly swinging in and out of form and uh, and they'll obviously go for it they're not going to they're not going to play they just they always play the same way don't they so yeah uh, i think it, it could be quite a fun game and yeah and it's, 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 it's a... outside of old trafford as well which i think is important to be honest i'd rather be playing these big games against city and chelsea at old trafford where we've generally been a bit insipid but yeah. um given who we're facing we'll we'll, we'll uh, suit ollie's sort of tactical makeup uh, especially now with everyone basically fit, you know. Um, Actually, that's ish. a really good point because because um, we do we play City hot on the heels of the Everton game, yeah. Um, on next Wednesday, so yeah, I yeah. guess I don't know. We're, we're, there's not much to be said about that game that isn't completely obvious to everyone that's listening to this. Um, I you know I I think it's going to be a, I mean it is just a massive ask of United at the moment if City are in any kind of decent form, and uh, the real problem decent is form. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which the, which they are. I mean, I mean, on the day. Sorry, um, if they're in any decent form in that game, which they mostly just are at the moment. Although they're about to go out of the Champions League to Spurs. Um, in fact, they've might have even just gone out of the. No, not quite. Um, the the uh, whether we can keep our heads as they keep possession will be really interesting. I think we're in exactly the same position as we were against Barcelona, which we failed to do against Barcelona, which is we just have to execute to a high level. Like, this is it's not like United can't beat really good teams. We absolutely can. Rashford's good. Pogba's good. Martial's good. But they can also be average and bad, and we need to execute to a high level. No, I I think that's that's right. It's in the moment, you know, that uh, I don't want to pick on Rashford because I'm not, you know, and I'm a big fan and he's a young player who who needs to round out his game. But the big moment of missing that chance sort of two minutes in, the big moment, the the best players don't do that. Um, And uh, and he's got to be he's got to he's got to take those chances in order to become the kind of quality of player we believe he could be. Um, and and so you know, in in this game, we haven't got a transfer window, and we haven't got years for players to improve. In this game, we have to reach a level that we haven't reached very often under Oli, um, yeah. and it's gonna it's gonna have to happen. Um, and then Chelsea afterwards, because I don't know if we'll record before the Chelsea game. In that case, 
Yeah, we got we should though, shouldn't we? We should. Though, we don't, we don't we? want to go another three no. games without. We, we, at some point, it feels like we've not have... been recording much recently. So yeah, let's it, record after the Chelsea game. Yeah, or no, not after, after the, the Chelsea game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we yeah, or we could even record after Everton. We'll do one of those two. Um, we'll, we'll we'll see how we'll it goes. make it happen. Uh, and uh, I don't know if Tom's uh, editing much, but he's going to drop whatever movie he's working on. <laughs> James Cameron <laughs> off. <laughs> Spielberg, um, you say no chance. I've got a podcast it, to edit. The uh, the other thing I was going to say is Patreon backers stay tuned, but maybe just everyone stay tuned. <laughs> you know, we're we're optimistic that the technology will work this time, but who knows? Who knows? All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Okay. We love you. Bye now. <laughs>